Man, what a week of football do we have to talk about here, Don? Because the D's finally lose their first game of the season. And, of course, they lose it to the Crows, who have been struggling the last few weeks, of, of, of course, of course. And Richmond, they lose their big game against Brisbane and the, um, over at the Gabba, and they did not look good uh, in almost any part of the football uh, when you really break down that game. And then Port Adelaide nearly lost to the Collingwood Crows, of all people. Some huge losses, some huge wins, and a whole hell of a lot of stuff to talk about, Donnie. But, of course, I'm your host, Ross Allen, joined alongside by AFL correspondent coach Donnie Hess, this is fourth and long. This is the American voice of Australian football. And Coach Donnie, how are we feeling after round 10 of the AFL season? Oh, man, the roller coaster that is this AFL season just does not want to let us off at any point at all. As soon as we thought we had our consistent team that was Melbourne, they go over to Adelaide and the Adelaide Crows have probably their best game of the entire season. Hands and down. Man, has, man, has it made this week's game between the Western Bulldogs and the Demons that much more entertaining. Especially uh, because the different sure. kind of games that each of those teams had once uh, has a little momentum. The other one, not so much. But if you stick until the end, you will get our prediction for that game as you go through every game from round 10. Hit you up with Donnie's team of the round. Then after that, we got our round 11 power rankings. And we're going to fish off with our round 11 tipping. But Donnie, let's start this week off with Richmond versus Brisbane. The phenomenal, fr- I mean, we finally got back to a good Friday night game. We got a huge Friday night game going down next week. So it looks like the AFL uh, scheduling committee has done a fantastic job with these with this set of games. But Brisbane they get a little bit of payback after losing to Port, um, losing, excuse me, to Richmond last year in the finals. They rocked the Tigers at the Gabba, and this was the uh, first time since winning the Premiership that the Tigers played at the Gabba. So you know, first time back, they take a bad loss in this one. So obviously, a little different kind of uh, places where this team is at from last year to this year. It was a really close game most of the way through about late in the third quarter is really when the Lions broke away with this one. And yeah, Zach Bailey, Eric Hippowood, they put up four goals apiece. That really propels this team to victory. And I got to ask you, did this game prove a couple of things? The first thing being that the Lions or sorry, um, that the Lions are a legitimate team and a giant threat to this premiership this year and that the tigers are all but done for this season. Oh, I don't know if I'll jump on both of those particular assessments. The first one. Yes. I think this, this Brisbane lions team cemented themselves as being in the conversation as one of the main flag contenders with the Western bulldogs and with the Melbourne demons, but the Richmond tigers, I I've said it and, and I, and I, I will continue to say it until they are knocked out completely. Either they are not making the finals or until they get beaten in the finals. This Richmond team is kind of like the proverbial zombie. They just keep coming. Mm -hmm. This Richmond Tigers team, this, this was one of those performances that it was a little bit, a little bit of, of one half versus another Richmond jumps 
jumps Brisbane right off the bat. They they got it out to a twenty point lead early in the first in the first quarter. Okay, it looked like Richmond was going to depance Brisbane on their home deck the yeah. way it started, but Brisbane kind of just kept creeping in. They started getting more of the footy. They started winning more contested possessions, and by half to, by halftime they had the six point lead. And they never really relinquished it the rest of the game, even driving it up to almost a 40-point lead at one time late in the fourth quarter. So this was an all-around great performance by the, these Brisbane Lions. And the crazy part about it is, is everybody made such a big deal about Richmond's injuries. Richmond's mm-hmm. without Lambert's. They're without Edwards. They're without Bolton. They're without uh, Trent Cotchin. Well, Brisbane could kind of argue that they're missing a few key cogs too. They're missing Neil. They're missing uh, Cam Reyna, who's out for the season with a knee injury. They're missing Barry. So they've had some injuries too. So this isn't one of those where it was it was a wounded Richmond team against a mm-hmm. fully fit Brisbane team. But the scary part about this Brisbane team is, is that just like Richmond, they're going to get healthy guys back later on in the season, and they're going to make what is already one of the most difficult teams to stop defensively even more dangerous when you add Lockie Neal in with Lions and McCluggage and Zorko right Mm -hmm. now this Brisbane Lions team are building a midfield to the point where they're going to contend with the Western Bulldogs for one of the deepest midfields in this uh in this competition Richmond's the same once they get these midfielders back I think they're going to be back into it yes they're out they're in ninth right now as we speak Mm -hmm. but there are still 13 rounds left to play 12 more games left to play this Richmond Tigers team, I think still has a chance to make the finals, but their road, but their road is not easy. They're going to need to win some difficult games because they've lost some early in this season that I think are going to hurt them when it comes to it. I think if the, I think if Richmond makes the finals, they're going to be in an elimination final. I think they're going to be five (laughs) to eight. I think the top four is, maybe a bridge too far for them at this present point, especially with the Western Bulldogs in Melbourne pretty much having one and two right now Yep. in a nice stranglehold to the point where as long as they hold serve and as long as they hold serve, only two top four spots are up for grabs. And this Brisbane Lion team has grabbed one by the scruff of the neck and may not let go the rest of the year, leaving only one more top four spot left. Mm-hmm. And, I agree with what several pundits have said. I think you need to be in the top four if you want to win the flag this year because there's so many good teams. Having that double chance may be absolutely essential if you want to raise the flag after this season. Well, it's crazy the amount of offensive success that the Brisbane Lions have been seeing this year, especially given the fact that they don't even have the reigning Brownlow medal winner on their team right now, and they're only going to get that much better that's an insane thought to even we kind of wrap our head around and right now it's with the way the season's going with the, um, the Bulldogs and Melbourne being up two games or eight points um, on the rest of the pack those two games are huge at this point with how tight everything is and it may uh, just get a little wider as things go on but the next game, we go from this really just giant adrenaline rush of game, and we get taken back down to earth with Carlton versus Hawthorne. I mean, yeah, um, the Blues, for the most part, control Hawthorne uh, in, in this game. Hawthorne had some moments. I believe they had the lead for one point of the game in the third quarter. 
But besides that, it was just kind of, it was a fairly low scoring, fairly sloppy affair. Uh, this win, albeit against the second worst team in the league right now, may help take some of the pressure off of the Carlton organization. But still, that, that pressure is building and it's, it might have a little bit of release from, uh, from this week. Yeah, I mean, a win's a win at the end of the day, but. It wasn't the best of them, if you want to put it that way, especially for what we thought Carlton was supposed to be at the beginning of the season. And then on the other side of the footy, you have Hawthorne continuing uh, to slide, and they may as well have solidified that second to wor- second worst spot in the league. Hell, I said the last round, Donnie, I'm still believing in it. There's still a chance that they end up as the wooden spoon. Oh man, this is a tale of two teams in, in not so too distant futures at this present point. You have a Hawthorne team that I think there there were some people that were thinking that they may have enough talent to contend uh, be further up the ladder, but I think reality has has come to Alistair Clarkson and this Hawthorne team that I think they they need to understand that going through the draft has now been accepted by this club. I think they're they're just they're going to try to blood youngsters. They're going to try to make this team as best they possibly can until this next draft and maybe mm-hmm. even the draft after that. Uh, the biggest question will be: Is Alistair Clarkson in their coaching staff? Um, is he going to be there? Is Sam Mitchell going to take over, or is he going to be kind of a coach and waiting over the next couple of years? We'll really have to see. When it comes to Carlton, this is a team where this is a win, but you kind of you take a few of the positives out of it. You, you, you fix a few of the negatives, but you don't focus on this game too much because this isn't the, this isn't the top eight win that you really need at this present point mm-hmm. right now. Coach Teague right now, it, he's grasping for straws to try to keep this team in contention for the finals. This helps, but the, there's gotta be a two, three, four game winning streak for this Carlton team. And right now there's just, there's so much, going on i mean mm-hmm. thankfully they've signed patty cripps which really i think will really help them the biggest question is they got to sign harry mckay they have to sign that big forward mm-hmm. because if they let him get away a lot of things go haywire for this you've got sammy walsh you've got harry mckay both still need to be signed in the next two years can carlton find enough money in the cap space to be able to keep these two superstars in the navy blue in all i think this was a great game uh, for Carlton, they get a win. They get some confidence into their players. They, they have some of their players have banner games. I mean, Sam Walsh is continuing to show uh, he's one of the best players in the entire league. 30 disposals and a goal for the, for the young midfielder who is an, just turned into an absolute beast at only nine. He's only like 19 or 20 years old. He's still <laughs> so young. So he's going to be, I think he may surpass Patty Cripps as the best player on this Carlton team for sure. But as I kind of said, this is a Carlton team that they're underperforming. They mm-hmm. need a two, three, four game winning streak to maybe get themselves in contention for the finals. But right now that looks very, very hard because you look at it coming up this week, they play Sydney mm-hmm. is their next game. Mm-hmm. And the West coast Eagles are their mm-hmm. next two games. Those are two difficult games. Those aren't easy. Those are going to be very tough games. They have to win them if they want to put themselves with a chance for the finals. And we will we will see later in our tips how we kind of see that going there. 100%.
you take the good, like you said, you take the good with the bad. They're positive in this game, and the ultimate positive is a win. But this isn't really a game you want to, you know, kind of rest your hat on. You have to look forward to the next uh, couple of rounds and to see what kind of play you could put together. You're you might be four and six. You might be um, under five hundred right now, but you're still just four points out of the top eight. So you get a couple wins and you get in. But also, if they're getting to the point where these top eight teams and the people contending for the top eight teams, you know, maybe the nine, tens, elevens are going to have to do some losing to help them out as well. And now, here we go, Donnie, the first one of the week. We get the patented Frost's good team versus bad team match of the round. And uh, there might be another one. There might not be. But at least we got this one this week. I feel like we've kept the streak going. I think we've gotten at least one per round. So I'm glad we got this going along. Um, Geelong, yeah, it was okay. It wasn't total blowout. Let's be honest. It was almost uncomfortably close if you're a Cats fan through about until about halfway through the third, then you get a good and comfortable enough margin um, in, in the fourth quarter and win this game ultimately by 34. It was weird seeing this game be as close as it was through that first and second quarter. I was almost like, oh, is this one of those trap games that the Cats are about to fall victim to? Or are the Suns able to um, have that defense uh, come alive and maybe – get them close enough where they need to be because we all know the Suns are go- aren't going to be outscoring anyone anytime soon. Their best hopes of winning games comes from not allowing them to score. Uh, and so like, if you keep, I mean, for the Suns, it, it's kind of hard with the scoring because most of the games you feel like it, as soon as they get past like 60, maybe 70, it's game over. You got to keep them underneath that mark. Um, the other teams off. If you want to keep that going, Jeremy Cameron, has another three-goal game, and right now, if you take a look at that, he is averaging the third-most goals per game at 3.2, uh, right behind aforementioned uh, Harry McKay. He's at 3.5. And so, let me get your thoughts on this game, Donnie. And then also, the question being, right now, is Jeremy Cameron a top-five Brownlow medalist, in your opinion? Okay, this game was one of those where Gold Coast, gave a performance that you can almost take a few positives out of because they stayed with the, with a Geelong team that I think a lot of people are starting to put in that potential flag contender with Brisbane's, with the Melvins, with the Western Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of one of those where if you're, you're a Cats fan, I agree with you. You're, you're midway through the third quarter and you're only up 10 that's <laughs> never a good sign when you're playing a gold coast team that has been absolutely waxed a few times but i, I think they kind of kicked it into gear in that middle third kicked it up to about 30 points going into the three-quarter break and then they just kind of put it on cruise control to end this game um when it comes to it is jeremy cameron a Brownlow medalist unfortunately missing those games early in the season will hurt him i mm-hmm. think his, his medal, if he wants it, is probably going to be more of the Coleman. But unfortunately, having Tommy Hawkins on your team will take a few goals off his ledger that he would have gotten at GWS. Mm-hmm. Plus, with Harry Mackay leading that particular medal at this present point at 35, it's not going to be easy just because Mackay doesn't really have that other forward to contend with. And he's going to get, he's going to get his goal kicks. I mean, that's just, that's just it. He's going to get his goal kicks. So 
as much as I, I, I think Cameron made a great move when it comes to it to try to win a championship from GWS, no offense mm. to, to, to you, sir. It's all um, taken. I know. But um, I, I don't – if Patty Dangerfield was in, this, was in this roster, he would be my most – he would be the guy that I would say would be more likely. Cam Guthrie has, has really come on really, really strong for the Cats, but he's almost kind of inconspicuous at times. You don't realize he's got as many disposals as he does mm-hmm. because he's not that Patty Dangerfield, slick, flashy type of player. So um, – I don't think I would put Jeremy Cameron in the top five in the Brownlow medalist right now. I'd probably go, I'd go Bontempelli, Hugh McCluggage. I would go in. That's difficult because I'd almost, you almost have to throw Libertore in there as well with, from, from the Western Bulldogs, Ollie Wines um, or Travis Boak from the Port Adelaide uh, from Port Adelaide also mm-hmm. with, should be i think they would probably be up there as well now i know you guys all look forward to this part of the show because of course every time we talk gold coast before we move on we got to give the ross's band count uh, for gold coast and yeah it might have been a loss Donnie, but it was a really hard fought win uh it was a hard fought game in, in this one uh, they pushed Geelong kind of to their brink at some of these points, and they kept it close. I think they gained some fans uh, from last week. Uh, let's put up to 23, 23 Gold Coast fans uh, at the end of this week. And I will always say every time we bring up uh, the name Jeremy Cameron, just imagine if he was on GWS this year. Oh, boy, this would be a damn good team, Donnie. Be a damn good team, but, you know uh, – yeah, go get your championship because they're probably not going to win one anytime soon if, over there in Greater Western Sydney. Uh, <laughs> just is what it is at that point. But that's going to bring us to my match of the round. And this was Adelaide versus Melbourne. And of course, this was going to be match of the round because this is one of the craziest games of footy that I have ever seen. And I have no problem saying that, uh, mostly because I've really been watching for like getting close to a year at this point, (laughs) but this was a fantastic game. This was an instant classic in the game that featured so many lead changes. It was like flipping a coin uh, in most, most of the way through this game and none other than big text. Taylor Walker comes up insanely clutch in the closing minutes of this game. He puts Adelaide up for good over Melbourne. And the D's lose their first game of the season. They are 9-1, and Adelaide's able to defend their home stadium at the Adelaide Oval. They were down in good parts through this game. The D's give up two kind of comfortable uh, points and leads in this one, which was really kind of weird to see, especially since they're up 16 in the last little bit of the fourth. They still give it up. Of course, what's a classic of a game without a little bit of controversy? Because we uh, there's a deliberate out-of-bounds free kick that was not paid in nine seconds. Despite the Crows appearing to handball the ball the, directly into the boundary line. I know you ha- might have a little bit of disagreements with that statement, Donnie. But your thoughts on this one, and then let's talk about this. I'll put in air quotes for, for those that disagree with the controversy. Oh, this you you have my you have my vote there as well. This was the absolutely the game of the round. What a, what a back and forth game of footy 
there were there were points of dominance from Melbourne and a couple of points to the point where they almost had 20 point leads both mm-hmm. in the first and the fourth quarter but this Crows team just they they had their best game at the right possible time um Tex Walker just absolutely comes up clutch with two goals late in that game to help this Crows team win it the the absolute insane scene at Adelaide in Adelaide at the oval when the, when the final siren went off and they celebrated the win but this this was just this was just a really really good game of footy like you said there was there was many lead changes it was back and forth it was tough almost final atmosphere type of footy and it makes you kind of go where was this crows team weeks ago where was this Crows team when they played the West Coast Eagles last week? Mm-hmm. Where was this Crows team when they dropped a couple of games in the previous three or four games this season? So it, it's you want to question the Melbourne Demons a little bit, but then you almost look at it as, is this is a little bit of a trap game. You have the Western Bulldogs coming up this week. Everybody's talking, well, you have a chance to be 10-0 going into that big game against the Western Bulldogs. I mean, I'll raise my hand. I said it last week. I <laughs> thought they were going to go into the Western Bulldogs game 10-0 with a chance to be 10-0 versus 9-1. I did too, Donnie, but don't want to fault you too much because that's like at least 90% of the entire AFL fan base. I would almost go 95, even a little bit higher. Right. This this literally sent shockwaves through the entire footy world. So not many the Crows fans had had really much hopes going to this one. There were even some diehard Crows fans that openly admitted that they probably <laughs> they, they oh. didn't think they would win this game. But that's but that's just the way this season has been. Yes. And I think it brings in the parody in this league. Yes, you do have that eight point gap between second and third in the ladder. But I think it's going to start coming closer and closer over the next few rounds because the Western Bulldogs and Demons are st- going to start getting the Brisbane Lions, the Port Adelaide Powers, the West Coast Eagles, mm-hmm. the tougher teams, the Sydney Swans, the, the GWS Giants, the Richmond Tigers, they're going to start getting these tougher teams more. So I think I think the gap here, I think, is eventually going to squeeze up. When it comes to the controversy, as, as everybody likes to say, again, the umpires have struck again that they make a call that, by all accounts, looking at all of the vision, looking at everything you can possibly see, it's pretty obvious. He put it out intentionally, probably should have been a free kick. The referees mm-hmm. have already come out this morning and said, yeah, we, we messed up again. And I understand that the AFL is trying as hard as they can to protect these referees because of the fact that it, these are such high drama games but i think the biggest thing that a lot of fans need to do is they need to dial down i know it's frustrating when your team loses because there's Mm -hmm. so much passion and i respect and love that but eventually we're not going to be able to play the game we love if we destroy these referees okay because one of the things i'm hearing a lot of is in grassroots footy is it's hard to get kids to want to play referee because even in youth referees are getting abused in the sidelines <laughs> as probably shouldn't funny, be laughing at that but that's, that's and that's what i was going to say as funny as it may sound it's yeah. not good i mean uh, I, I i would even go as far as saying it's even a problem here in the states nowadays yeah uh, that it's so hard to get umpires and referees for things because you deal with a lot of know-it-alls in the stands, whether they're parents, whether they're players, different things like that. 
I think it's the reason, maybe it's the coaching me, but I try not to complain about the refereeing. I've said it, I know. I sound like a broken record. But I try not to complain because these referees are human. They're going to they're gonna stuff things up. It's going mm-hmm. to happen. It just really stinks when they stuff it up at the worst possible time. But I, but I, I brought this statistic up when we were off camera, and, and I'd like to state it again here, Ross, just, just mm-hmm. to remind people, is that I, I want you, for, for the fans that are listening to this, I want you to go and, and think about the three teams that have had a controversial loss. You have the Melbourne Demons, sitting second on the ladder currently eight point gap between them and third. Oh yes. In third place, the Geelong cats had the controversy at Sydney. They are eight points away from eighth place. And the third and final team that had a controversial loss would be the Brisbane lions who sit fourth in the ladder. (laughs) Also eight points out. So I know. It stinks to lose four points, but the three teams that have had this happen to them, I don't think they're hurting for points right now. So I almost kind of go, I know it's, it's a really odd thing to kind of connect the dots here, but I think they'll get over it because I think these three fan bases will understand they're going to make, they should all three make the finals mm-hmm. unless utter chaos happens, right. which as much as it may seem like it may happen after this round and a few other rounds, I don't think Brisbane, Geelong, and Melbourne are all going to start losing every single game in the rest of the season. You know, I mean, I, I don't think so either. I think something weird, really weird is going to happen if all those teams start losing. Uh, it, hey, but it, that means the Giants go up the, the top eight a little more. I won't complain. Well, they got to win too. So let's <laughs> not, not jump the shark on that. But no, but so, so it's kind of one of those where. I, under, I understand the frustrating in the moment, but but take a deep breath because there's still 12 games of footy still left to be played and 13 rounds still left to be played. So I think it'll all work out in the end. Mm-hmm. It stinks. I, I know it. I understand it stinks when you lose a game like that. I think I think every fan that's ever watched any sporting event has lost a game where they felt they were wronged, but you kind of have yep. to you kind of have to let it go. So. Yep. So if I, in the Melbourne demons, I mean, nine and oh, that is, that is an incredible accomplishment. You set yourself up nice and well for this rest of this year and you get a nice game to bounce back in another tester to kind of see if you're right back at it with the Western Bulldogs this week. Mm-hmm. So if I'm a D's fan, there's a lot of things to take out of positive. Max gone had another really good game. Clayton Oliver. Holy Moses. What a game. He's on fire and he's one of the top guys without a doubt for the Brown low at this point. He, he's him, 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 Max gone and, and, and Alex Petrocker, the three guys from the Melbourne demons that I think are going to hear their name called out several, several times on Brownlow. Melbourne arguably has two top five Brownlow medal uh, medalists at this point. That's, that's a lot of firepower. Uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Donnie, but that's an incredible amount of firepower at that point. I'm glad you brought the word parody because we have completed the 2021 circle of parody with this season. And so stick with me here. I'm going to read it out for you all. You loved that right. tweet when I tweeted that out. I saw that the year. Yeah, I loved Apple it. It's great. Tweeted that out. So I, I had to tweet it because it was like, I watched it. I'm like, wow, that actually is. Everybody it's, has beaten everybody. It's crazy. All right. Here we go. I'm going to read it out for all of you that don't know. I'm going to probably need a couple of breaths for this one. All right. Melbourne beats GWS. GWS beats Sydney. Sydney beats Geelong. Geelong beats Brisbane. Brisbane beats Richmond. Richmond beats the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs beat the West Coast. West Coast beats Port Adelaide. Port Adelaide beats St. Kilda. St. Kilda beats Gold Coast. 
Gold Coast beats Collingwood. Carlton beats Essendon. Fremantle beats North Melbourne. The Hawks, the Hawthorne Hawks, or North meets Hawthorne. And then Adelaide beats Melbourne. Did that one breath. Let's go. Woo. I. <laughs> well, oh, I love this. And broken, right? <laughs> it's so great. Uh, and, and now let's go on from that into then the Western Bulldogs as, and I mentioned it. We get a, a second edition. Ring the bell on this one because look what time it is. Good team plays bad team in good team. I I don't know words. If this is probably I've never seen a triple digit blowout, uh, or at least nothing that I can remember off the top of my head. The doggies by a hundred and eleven in this one. What? <laughs> oh my! This is with eighteen behinds for the boot too. It's. Ah, uh, this was a, if you like offense um, and you like one team just doing everything and the other team doing nothing, uh, well, this game's for you because the doggies are, I mean, we all knew that they were the better team going to this game. And I, it was really just a guess on how many goals this is going to be by Donnie. And uh, you and me both severely underestimating the beatdown that they're going to put on the Saints. I really don't have much to say about this game besides, man, what the hell happened here? Uh, if you're the Saints, uh, you got Aaron putting up five point five goals, excuse me, in this blowout for the Doggies. They do everything right. They can do no wrong. And now you got Melbourne losing their first game. They get a little backwards momentum. The Western Bulldogs have all the momentum you could ever hope to have off a win like this. So it's going to be one hell of a round 10 bash. And uh, one of the things I saw to Donnie is that uh, Heath Shaw, um, he had a interesting quote that uh, I want to see if uh, if you've seen this uh, either for all those that uh, possibly seen this as well. I think, and at least I, I hope that this is purely just to get attention be one of those kind of pundits that that says stuff for the sake of saying stuff you know like if you're in the states you get a little chris collinsworth kind of action uh or sorry not chris collinsworth um skip bayless excuse me chris collinsworth is just a bad commentator uh ooh, that might catch me some heat too according to some of these old timers at least uh but he Shah did come out and say that quote in reference to melbourne and the western bulldogs i don't think either of these teams will be playing in the grand final and that has to, yeah, that's fair to say, but that's kind of a stupid statement, in my opinion. I'm, I don't know if it's a stupid statement because, again, there's still thirteen. There's still thirteen rounds of footy. You'd never know. Um, the one, one of the few negatives that came out of this game for the Western Bulldogs is they did lose Adam Trelaw for two months with his it. large negative. To his to his right ankle, but unfortunately, as we've kind of noticed, Western Bulldogs have one of the deepest midfields in the entire competition. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's as big a loss as say you would lose, say a Nat Fife at the Fremantle Dockers. Oh, even say, Dusty. Say, uh, yep, a Dusty, a Dusty Martin, or even a, a Tom Green in GWS. Mm, so let's not talk about that. <laughs> I, I I think it's one of those where it's like. I, I'm, I'm looking at the score worm now, and here, here's, here's the crazy fact about it is, is in the second quarter, the, Briz, the Western Bulldogs kicked seven goals. In the entire first half, the St. Kilda Saints kicked five goals. So in one quarter, one 
quarter, the Western Bulldogs kicked more goals than the entire first half of the St. Kilda Saints. If I remember correctly, I saw this statistic too. Aaron Naughton, who you mentioned earlier, if I remember correctly, had more points himself than the entire St. Kilda team combined because Aaron Naughton kicked five goals for that is 39 mm-hmm. St. Kilda 33 mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so Aaron Naughton just by himself beat the St. Kilda team now I, I I'm not trying to throw a ton of shade on the St. Kilda Saints oh I will but but unfortunately <laughs> unfortunately this game right here I think finally has opened coach Ratton's eyes that mm-hmm. there are a few guys that mm-hmm. need a demotion that there may need to be a few of these superstars that have been continuing to play say, uh, let's put superstars in quotes for the time being <laughs> Uh, okay okay we'll go right. there i think i think there's going to be a i think there's going to be a few big contracted players that are going to find themselves playing in the vfl this week mm. because the saints just cannot afford to continue to keep this and these absolutely abysmal putrid disgusting performances yes mm-hmm. you played the western bulldogs and the western bulldogs are really good but there is nothing Nothing that should excuse the absolutely putrid performance that this was. And I think St. Kilda is far too talented and far too good a team to put up 33 points in one game of footy, even if they do play the Western Bulldogs, who, I mean, I do not feel that they are an elite defensive team. I think they're good. I don't exactly elite. I mean, right now, if you told you told me who's the most elite defense, it is not the Western Bulldogs. It's the Melbourne Demons. Mm-hmm. Yes, the Melbourne Demons got exposed a little bit against the Adelaide Crows, but when you go on the road, it's never easy. And Jake Lieber and May have been absolutely electric this year on the back end and have absolutely been impossible to stop. I mean, Stephen May shut down Buddy Franklin in a game and kept him goalless, which has only happened nine times in his career. So mm-hmm. you know that there's great performances. So I'm, I'm thoroughly looking forward to this, but... Man, St. Kilda, they're just killing me because I honestly, with everything that they had, with the recruitment that they brought in, I honestly believe this was a team that was going to be in the finals, that was going to be fighting for a chance, and they have really just laid an egg, and it's depressing. Yeah, it's one hell of a situation to be in if you're a fan, especially considering, man, you guys made the finals last year, so this is... This is a tough pill to swallow. And you just talked about Buddy Franklin getting shut down. That is not what happened this round in the slightest. Buddy Franklin puts up a six-goal game against the Frio Dockers, but that still is not enough. The Frio Dockers are able to escape from Sydney with a huge win for them and a bit of a damning loss for Sydney Swans. And I saw the score. I was like, oh, man. Donnie could not be happy about this one today. He's going to have some select words, I'm sure, when it comes to uh, the next round's recording. It just was, it was a weird game to watch. And one of the funny parts about this is that the Frio Dockers are the worst 
um, goal-kicking accuracy team in the league. We talked about this last time. I put that video on that um, on YouTube. Uh, if you want to go check that out right now, links are in the, the description. Or if you're watching YouTube right now, just go to the channel help. But wait until you're done listening to this, until you go check it out. They are the worst goal-kicking team in terms of accuracy. They still had a abhorrent, <laughs> damn near, um, game accuracy-wise. 12 goals, 14 behinds on this one. But they're still able to get it done. Um, it, it didn't help that Sydney, they actually got the good start, which has been kind of the opposite of what we've been seeing the last rounds in their losses. A lot of times when we see Sydney fail to win the game or get have a close one, it's because of a slow start. They didn't have that. They have an explosive late half, but just end up not being right. They almost had the game, though, if it wasn't for none other than a Donnie. What if I told you that Nat Fife, was clutch with the goal kicking this week. I, I mean, if, if going into it, you probably say I'm one of the dumbest people alive, but that's exactly what happened in this one, which is probably the craziest part about this entire game. Uh, although, like I said, Buddy Franklin did put him six. He was absolutely dominating. This looked like vintage Buddy Franklin. This looked like the Buddy Franklin that's been dominating the, the, the footy grounds for years now. Still wasn't enough. What happened in this one? And what are your thoughts, especially as a Swans fan? Oh, okay. So the game was at Optus Stadium. So I knew going into it, this was not going to be an easy game. And, and to mm-hmm. all the Docker fans who, and, and I, and I did, I chatted with several of them over this game. This was a really, really, really good game. Yes. Um, I'm not going to make any excuses. Uh, the thing that killed the Swans is the third quarter. They scored one point in the entire third quarter. Mm-hmm. Frio scored 25. So you took a, you took a nice little lead going into the third quarter that the Swans had, and it disintegrated like that. And that really changed the game because then Frio had all the momentum. The fans got back into the game because for the longest time, the, their fans were sitting on their hands because <laughs> this, though, though Frio was inaccurate, the Swans were pretty accurate. The Swans first quarter, four, oh, first quarter, four, oh, second quarter, nine, three, so a five, three quarter. But you only score one point in the entire third quarter. Mm. You score four goals in the fourth. You keep yourself in the game, but you just didn't have enough momentum. Fife comes up clutch, but the I think the thing that helped him was it wasn't a shot on goal from a set shot. It was a play out of congestion. Mm-hmm. So he didn't have to worry about all the pressure of uh, everybody <laughs> staring at me while I'm kicking it. He just had to kick it. And that's and how we get five to be good, I guess, huh? This is, this is a Frio Dockers team that, almost like it angers me that they can't find a way to play better on the road because they are a tough hard-nosed footy team i thoroughly enjoyed this game like i i i said this in a few tweets of mine to the to the frio dockers fans i said i thoroughly enjoyed this game yes Mm -hmm. the swans lost and if it weren't for melbourne and adelaide this would have been my game of the round because it was Mm -hmm. a two-point game Mm -hmm. buddy franklin has a great game fife has a great game uh, Rory Lobb, uh, the, the former GWS giant, who's now a full forward for the Freo Dockers, has a great – this was a really good game of footy. It was in the wet, but both teams played the, played the game really well. There were some great defensive plays. There were some great offensive plays. This was a thoroughly entertaining game. I'm just almost angry that this Dockers team cannot find their, their form on the road because if they did, they're going to be a tough team because I think they've got just enough offense to, be, to make teams, and their defensive structure around the footy is – great they're a really good footy team they're starting to get some guys back 
the biggest question that I have is, is if they continue this Jekyll and Hyde crap on the road, <laughs> great at home, you're going to be nine and nine and you're probably going to miss the finals. And, and, and to all the doctor, to all, all the doctor fans I chatted with, I, that's the thing I said, I said, I really hope you find your form on the road, because if you do, you're going to be a tough out. There's, yes. there's very few teams are going to be able to go into Optus and beat them. They still haven't lost at home. The only time they lost in Optus stadium was technically a road game <laughs> against the West coast Eagles. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's how crazy this season has been. No, of course, West coast I, almost never loses Optus. <laughs> This this of the four games that we're coming up on right here, Frio, uh, Carlton, St. Kilda, and Hawthorne. This mm-hmm. was the one that scared me the most because the trip out west is never easy. Mm-hmm. Does Buddy Franklin go out? He does. Mm-hmm. He kicks six goals, which now this is crazy. He's played two games at Optus Stadium. He's averaging seven goals a game because he kicked eight the first time he played there. Jeez. Yeah. So that's, that's stupid. He's played two, two games at two games at Optus Stadium. He's kicked eight goals and six holes. He's kicked 14 goals in the two games combined. This was the Buddy Franklin of old. He is now down to 37 goals to a thousand. I don't know if he's gonna make it. I hope he does. It'd be great if he does. I don't mm-hmm. know if he'll get to a thousand this year, but I think he could get to a thousand next year as long as he stays healthy and plays. Yeah. But this was the buddy I loved watching. He was impactful, he made great plays. The long kick was going in for goal, which was absolutely awesome. And, and I said this to a few doctors fans. Griffin Logue had a monster monster to try to deal with and he played it as best he possibly could there are times buddy can be absolutely unguardable and griffin Logue did a really good job mm-hmm. I, I give all the credit to this Freo dockers team as a swans fan yes it sucks to lose especially when they had a chance to win it ollie florent gets the ball down the wing he's got two free guys at the top of the 50 and he bombs it deep to papley and a, and a one on two with two Frio defenders the Frio defender knocks it through for a behind and and they don't get a chance I'm not going to get mad at Ollie. He's a young player. He's got to lower his eyes there, but still a hell, heck of a game by this Swans team. I, I'm almost a little turbed that I, I'm every time the Swans lose, I start seeing pundits go, well, this is the Sydney team that's that's vulnerable. They can be knocked out of the eight. I'm mm-hmm. like, that's a good Frio team. That's a yeah. really good Frio team for all the injuries that they have. That's not a bad loss. A two-point loss on the road at Optus Stadium against a good Frio Dockers team is not a it, it is not a 111 point loss to to the western bulldogs I mean, <laughs> if you really look at it yeah there, there's far worse losses out there than this than this sydney loss here mm-hmm. so uh, a round of applause to both these teams a great game to, mm-hmm. to all my doctors fans like i said i really hope things go well because this was this was a fun game of footy to watch it stinks that this one's lost, but I, I'm still happy. I, I think the performance went out as well as it could be for a loss. Well, the crazy thing about it is I know I keep on bringing up the goal kicking, but if you look at it, Donnie, look at their losses, look at their wins. If they were able to improve their goal accurate, their, their goal kicking accuracy, this is a top eight team. And depending on how much they're able to improve it by, this team could very well, this team has the talent and the ability to possibly be knocking on those top four teams if they're able to kick the ball straight. Of course, large if, large if. But if they can get that down, especially with the injuries they have, they get healthy, they get the goal kicking right, this team is a legitimate threat to any team in the AFL. 
Well, here's the one thing most people aren't talking about. And this, this be my last point here is I'm looking at the ladder right now. Mm-hmm. Did you know that at this present point right now, Frio actually is tied with GWS and Richmond for the eighth spot. The only reason that GWS is in the eighth spot is because of six percentage points. Yeah. I was looking at that and I was like, Oh man, that's scary. That's scary. Six percentage points, mm-hmm. meaning, meaning, one one ten fifteen point game and that 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 margin is gone. I even so, six. It's like um five point seven or something like that. So you know mm-hmm. the full six percentage points out of there. Yep. This watch out. I mean, they were in our power rankings. Uh, was it five rounds ago? Four rounds ago at this point. Mm-hmm. Watch out for this Rio team because they're a trap game for anyone, and they're a good team that you have to play well. A hundred percent agree. And speak of a good team that you have to play well every round, Donnie, let's talk about those GWS Giants. Oh, let's go. They get, I was, oh man, I wasn't expecting this game uh, at all, especially after what happened is solid first half of footy. And then they just keep it rolling into the second. I know it was, and when I say solid, I mean, not that they were leading or dominating by any stretch of the means. We had, I think it was like 10 different <laughs> scoring changes that happened in this game. It was a ridiculous game of footy. It, it reminded me of, of just anything good almost. It reminded me of uh, the early game with Adelaide and Melbourne with all the gold, with all the, the, the scoring changes and scoring leader changes. But man, this was one hell of a win by GWS. I mean, albeit the West Coast Eagles were on the road, so you kind of <laughs> you can't you put a whole lot to, to a home game. But I mean, man, this is a good West Coast team. This is a team that you've really been seeing. Man, who's going to be the goal? Who's going to be the the, the guy leading the team? Who's going to be scoring the goals for the Giants without uh, without Toby Green here? And it ended up being some of the young guys and it being Jeremy Finlayson uh, in this one. It ended up being some of the, the new guys to this team. Let's talk about the performance by none other than Matt Flynn, who made his debut in this game. He kicked his first and then he kicked a big goal uh, to go up in right before the um, end of the first half. And this was really great to see. And not only this, Donnie, but what have we been talking about when it comes to West Coast over the last number of rounds? We've been talking about those big three that they have. They got Jack Darling, they got Josh Kennedy, and they got Oscar Allen. Those three players were held to just one goal each. You look at this game, you look at they putting up almost 100, so you want to say this was one with offense. No, this was one with a phenomenal defensive effort. Uh, and one of the guys, of course, always flying around there is Bobby Hill. I swear he's in the middle of every single play that you see. This dude is everywhere on, on that Philly field. And he also put up the two goals to boot, too. So fantastic all-around team win by this GWS team. This is their fifth win in their last seven games. And this might have proved their legitimacy as a, a top eight contender and a, a team that probably isn't purely premiership contenders but one that if they get healthy and if they get going they're going to be scary to some of these final teams yeah i completely agree with you and i i remember saying it last week when we did our podcast and and i and i stated it during the tips i said i must be a glutton for punishment because i keep choosing this west coast team (laughs) 
even on the road and it reared its ugly head and i remember seeing <sighs> being a homer paid well paid off for me in my I, I i remember seeing the score and i was just like wow i'm like they did it well but here and and i gotta give i gotta give it to gws they just mm. keep finding a way to win games that i <laughs> there's no doubt in my mind you asked most people that were tipping they did just they saw toby green go out and they're bye-bye they, they went gold there went gws the season mm-hmm. but they just there there's just something about the way this team plays i mean i i almost i agree with what i saw one pundit say he goes what were we saying earlier in the year when it came to leon cameron we were asking is he gonna make it through this season was he gonna be fired I mean, there's this pundit said it and I almost agree with it. If GWS finds their way into the finals, there's a strong argument that Leon Cameron could be the coach of the year because mm-hmm. he took a team that has just been, I mean, ravaged with injuries to their best players. It's mm-hmm. several teams have got a lot of injuries, but you can't tell me that GWS isn't one of the teams that had the most impactful injuries. When you have your captain in Canilio, your then replacement captain in Tom in, in Toby green, go down. Mm-hmm. You've got, you've got DeBoer goes down. Davis goes down. Not even the injuries. Jeremy Cameron deports this off season too. And the funny thing about this Tony, is that was like five, six rounds ago we're talking is Leon Cameron even going to make it through halfway this season mm-hmm. and so this has been a, I especially as a fan man I have just been blown away by this turnaround that they've had and that Leon Cameron's had it's been uh really really nice I'm really appreciative of what they've been doing mm-hmm. yeah and, and that's just kind of the crazy part about it so I mean, Tom Green is becoming an absolute super superstar in the midfield. And and like I, I've stated it a couple of times, is that Richmond has those midfielders coming back. But here's the crazy thing is Canelio is due back in the next several in the next several weeks. Davis should be back in the next several weeks. DeBoer should be back in the next several weeks, latest after the bye. Toby Green, they, they think he may be two more weeks than originally thought, but they're still not sure. Think about that if you throw all those guys in. I mean, they're all in your top 22, and that's going to give your team that much more depth. So is it's not only Richmond that's that's everybody saying, well, once they get healthy, they're going to be they're going to have a chance to get into the eight. Like if you look at those three teams sitting there in eighth, ninth, and tenth, you have Frio, they're getting healthy and they're playing better footy. Richmond. They're going to get healthy very soon. They're going to start playing better footy and GWS. There's not going to be a lot of wiggle room for the teams in the eight with those three teams if they get better. So I I'm almost starting to get to the point where I'm almost disagreeing with some of these pundits. I don't think the eight is set. Mm-hmm. I think this eight could get thrown all to whack. If you see, if you see a West coast drop a few games, if you see a Sydney drop a few games, if you see a port come back to it, I mean, you've got, You've got four teams. The bottom four I said are Port, Sydney, West Coast, mm-hmm. GWS. Yeah. There's going to be some fluctuation there, even though you do have that eight-point gap between GWS and Port and the full-game gap between GWS, West Coast, and Sydney. But there's still a lot of games still left to be played. I'm, I'm hesitant to say the top eight is set no. unless Frio starts to struggle again or continues their Jekyll and Hyde GWS, maybe this was one of those where they got a West Coast team at just the right spot and they start having issues and Richmond continues to struggle even once they get some of their superstars back. But I mean, it's a long season to go and I'm, yeah. I'm thoroughly 
intrigued to watch this bottom four because it could be entertaining each and every round, especially when some of these teams start playing each other. I'm going to say this top eight is everything but at this point with how close everything's been with the parody we've been seeing demonstrated throughout every round of this year. You literally cannot expect anything uh, to, to go a certain way. I mean, look at, look at Melbourne and Adelaide. So uh, I, I totally disagree with anyone that says the top eight is set. There's a good chance that we see the top eight. There's a good chance. But no, there's so much that can still happen. Another way that the top eight could get messed up is one thing we saw it get dangerously close to happening was let's talk about Collingwood versus Port Adelaide. Now, this was an interesting game to, to be looking at, especially given the whole um, controversies and the arguments and, and poking jabs at you know, the whole prison bar jumpers and this whole debate that's really kind of gone a lot more heat going, it feels like, this season. I know we talked about that last season, but this season it really feels like there's a whole new fire to it. And the power barely, by a literal point, avoid embarrassment in this game. They barely beat the Magpies, and it was a fairly ugly affair from either team. And uh, I really honestly don't have too much to say about this game, Donnie. So you're going to um, take it away if you like. I, you get, especially if you want to talk about it real quick, just talk about that first half of footy. <laughs> If you were a Port Adelaide fan, and I've seen some of them on the internet, oh, you were crapping bricks at this point in time because they almost get out to a 30-point lead, the Magpies do. So this, oh, I was actually, I know most of the AFL, yeah, you hate Collingwood. Um, I'm just kind of hopping on that bandwagon, I guess. Man, I kind of wanted to see poor Adelaide go down in this bit of fashion because it would have been one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Apparently, we, we're not um, – if you're like me, you're not lucky enough to get that. If you're a Collingwood fan, you're not lucky enough to get that. If you're an AFL fan or a fan of Port Adelaide, you are extremely lucky that Adelaide kind of got their game in check, although they almost blew it late. Uh, man, but besides this, I mean, Taylor Adams, Darcy Moore, Bo McCreary – I mean, those three guys just have a game for Collingwood, but Port Adelaide able to save themselves, save their reputation, and possibly save their spot in the top four. Yeah, this was this was just one of those where Port had their stinker, and they had their stinker at almost the worst possible time because they Collingwood jumped absolutely jumped all over them in the first in the first half, mm-hmm. uh, pulled out to a nice little lead, and they kind of kind of held it most of the game this this report looked inept going forward at times it was rather <laughs> rather disturbing i know they, they didn't have Horatio fantasia but i was i was almost shocked at the at the ineptitude going forward in that first half they started to kind of pick it up late and then they they really righted the ship in the fourth quarter but they just they let collingwood hang around when they should have been able to bury them i mean they they took a 16 point lead there late in the fourth quarter and let Collingwood crawl right back into the proverbial cupboard and they survived. But if I'm, I'm port, I'm, I'm wiping my brow. I am taking this tape. <laughs> it's kind of like the Carlton game against Hawthorne. I'm, I'm taking a few positives you can find, which are not many. Unfortunately, you fix a few things that are there and you throw that tape into the fire because you don't want to remember that because that is not a performance that you want to keep. 
if you're Collingwood, there there are some signs of maybe some progression. Like I said, you just pushed a Port Adelaide team very, very deep into this game. You didn't let them blow you out. You, you performed rather well. Darcy Moore, oh, surprise, surprise, is a really good center half back. Really? No wow. idea. I know. I'm, <laughs> as much as I understand box It's a hairband. As much as I understand box moving him forward to give a different look, Darcy Moore plays the center halfback position better than most in the AFL. I don't understand it. Don't screw up your team <laughs> by trying to fix another area because you're screwing up another part. So to see Darcy Moore back where he belongs, that center halfback spot, playing his position the way he is, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. To see him play better, see him have more of a Darcy Moore type of performance. I think Collingwood is better with him there than anywhere else. Um, I don't know. This this is just a game that was just kind of you want to let it go. <laughs> Still a little bit of a problem with Port Adelaide though, Donnie, because through these ten rounds, they have four games against top eight teams. Three of those games they've lost. They lost to West Coast. They lost to Brisbane. And they lost to the Western Bulldogs. The only game out that they've beaten of a legitimate team is the Richmond Tigers that have now fallen out of the top eight. So the legitimacy and the claim of being a top four team right now after Port Adelaide, you're a top four team by merit of points and record alone. But in terms of the competition you've played, they've beaten, and then the ones you've lost to, this isn't really a top four team. This is a final team. Not really a top four team. Oh, it's it's kind of the, the argument, the flat track bully argument that, I, that <laughs> I've heard several people come up with. And unfortunately, this game did not did not help that argument much in itself. Oh. Well, they haven't but, been helping that argument the entire season is what it seems like. Well, and the other crazy thing about it is, is the fact that the West Coast Eagles have been so jackal, have been so jackal and hide that it's like that's even that even that loss there it almost kind of takes on a little bit of a different notoriety because mm-hmm. they haven't been as good as they probably should be. Now the Western Bulldogs loss and the Brisbane Lions loss, if you really look at it, I mean, they make a ton of sense if you look at it the way it's going now. Brisbane. Yeah is one of the hottest teams in the entire league was six and oh in their last six only team to do that and the western bulldogs are five and one in their last six the only other team to do that is the melbourne demons so it's really kind of it's really kind of crazy that ports kind of they're kind of being beat by a stick that really if you think about it most other teams would be okay with Mm-hmm. But because they did so well last year, it's kind of being used as a negative on them. Again, we're 10 games in. They've still got game. They've still got games. They've still got games against Geelong. You've still got games against GWS. You've still got games against Brio. You've still got some Sydney and Melbourne there. up there too. Exactly. I mean, another game against the Western Bulldogs, another game against Adelaide. Exactly. So they have still- the chance to prove themselves. Exactly. And, and they need Will to they? get healthy. They need to get healthy. Well, Lysette <laughs> will be back here in a couple of weeks after mm-hmm. his suspension, after the show, after the showdown sling tackle, which I think is affecting them. Uh, yeah. Laddams, Laddams has stepped in and played well, but I think mm-hmm. Lysette is much more of an impactful player. You're missing butters. You're missing Dersma. Um, you're missing Cleary. You're missing some really key guys on this team that have played well. I think Dersma and Butters have been the two most missed players because they brought youth 
and athleticism into the midfield. Boak and Wines are great players, but they're one speed. They're not extremely quick players. They're great in the possession. Get it out to Amon and their wingers who are a little bit quicker type of players. Mm-hmm. They need Dersma and they need Butters to give them a change of pace in the midfield. And that's where I think teams are getting them is because Western Bulldogs have a lot of young, quick midfielders. Poor didn't. Okay. Same thing with Brisbane. You've got McCluggage, you've got Lions, you've got Zorko. There's some change of pace and there's some speed there. Ollie Wines and Travis Boak are not the fastest of guys. And I think they got exposed in those games. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing. I think if I'm port is that, and we don't know when butters is going to be back. Unfortunately, there's some nerve damage. They, they're not sure when he'll be back. We're hoping he can return. They're just not sure. Mm-hmm. There's, I think there's at least three weeks left for him. So right now, Port Adelaide is trying to survive till they get these young guys back to hopefully, like I said, improve. Uh, they're a good team. Their losses look are, are they're way heavy on them. But I think it's because of who they've lost to. I think that they're why they're weighing a little bit heavier, especially after last year going wire to wire, being the number one team in the entire league. Yeah, of course. But that's kind of going to happen when you're a team like Port Adelaide is. You're going to have this pressure upon you. You're going to have a lot of these expectations. And if you fail to live up to those expectations, there is going to be backlash. I mean, that, that's just kind of the, the name of the game at this point. But I mean... I don't have a whole lot of confidence in Port Adelaide at, at this moment. They're going to have to do a lot to really prove themselves as a legitimate threat to their premiership, at least in my eyes and the eyes of a lot of uh, other people that I've seen. So we'll, it, it's almost a wait and see. We'll see what they do in the coming rounds. But as of right now, their their season is a little wobbly at this point. And then, speaking of wobbly seasons, let's talk about North Melbourne to cap things off because they take on Essendon. And the Dons just put an absolute hurting on the ruse there at Marvel. It's just, man, uh, this is, uh, you were kind of expecting a game like this. Uh, if you really tuned in and you weren't expecting anything different than this, I really just kind of have to question you because it was almost a non-contest until like maybe a blip in the fourth of, of life for the North Melbourne ruse. But besides that, there was a whole lot going on. The Dons put up 11 goals in the first half with 13 different goal scorers in this game. And so that kind of helps to prove to me that Essendon, I mean, to be fair, they're only four points out of the top eight, <laughs> which is crazy to think about, uh, especially considering they were your uh, wooden spoon favorite at the beginning of the year. I remember that. And, uh, you might be a little off on that one, but of course you're right with most of the other things that you talk about. So it's really, I'll, I'll forgive you for this one, Donnie. <laughs> uh, I, I said Essendon had a chance to be wooden spooners just because of the, just because of the fact they had lost several really good stars over the last when losing Danaher. Well, and, what's and crazy not- about that though, they've lost these stars, but I still really like where they are as a team at this point, considering all that they lost and what they have right now. There's this is a young team. This is a team that's building to some really promising years. I think in the next three, four years, this is definitely going to be if they're not getting closer now, two or three years, they're going to be finals contenders. Um, they're not going to be it now. The ruse, not gonna be it's gonna be a while for the ruse, if we're being honest from from what we're seeing right now. But if you're an Essendon fan, 
Yeah, no, they're probably not going to make the finals this year, but that's no big deal because if you're looking from your expectations going to the season and where they're going to finish at the end of the season, albeit we still have 13 rounds left. But this is a bright young team, and there's a lot of promise to them, and I'd be excited if I was a fan, not for this season, but for the coming seasons. Yeah, I agree. And, and yes, it, it stinks to lose Danaher, but you get the number eight overall pick and you draft <laughs> Nick Cox, who has been absolutely lighting it up playing great as a young player you get archie perkins in that draft as well they drafted really really well yeah right you gotta there, give a there, lot of credit to their front office yeah, there's no way to argue that essendon took a, a really bad situation of losing Danaher, losing a few stars but they got draft picks in the point where and they hit and they mm-hmm. hit home runs with nick cox and with archie perkins yeah, great point donnie it's one thing to have these high draft picks it's another thing to hit on them i mean we see that um my look most into the nfl draft a lot of teams they have these top draft picks it's kind of hard to actually get a star from them a lot of times just a whole lot goes into it so to your your point donnie a lot of credit to, to Aspen. yes and this is a team this is a team i said it earlier and i'm like agree with it even if Essendon doesn't make the finals, this Essendon team reminds me a lot of Sydney. They've got a ton mm-hmm. of young talent. They're in games. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, they blow out North Melbourne in this, but they've played some of the better teams in the league close when they probably weren't supposed to because of the makeup of this of this list. Mm-hmm. I, I think Essendon next year, as early as next year, I think can be contending for finals because I think you've got teams like Richmond. Are are, are Richmond going to have some of these guys continue to be pillaged year after year? I mean, Richmond keeps losing small forwards to other teams because they think, well, they've played at Richmond. They should be a darn good player. They take them. I mean, Ellis has left. Higgins has left. There, mm-hmm. There's been so many of those Richmond players that have been picked off over the years that it's like eventually teams like that are going to start falling down West coast. They're starting to get older. I mean, when you've got Shannon Hearn, you've got McGovern, you've got some of you got some of the older legs in that West coast team. They may come back to it. Does Essendon jump into that spot there? This is an Essendon team. They're going to be fun to watch because they get after it. They go. They may pay for it a little bit on the defensive end a little bit because they leave themselves exposed because they push themselves forward. But in and in and all, this this Essendon team is a fun team to watch. I thoroughly enjoy watching their games. Yes, they lose Adam Saad to the Carlton Blues, but they have got themselves a perfect replacement in Nick Hind. Nick Hind. He has come in, taken Saad's spot, and has almost improved from Saad's performances this year. He's been one of the best defenders for the Essendon Bombers, both forward and back. Mm-hmm. And then Darcy Parrish, who would have known that when 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 Shield went down with that injury earlier in the year, that Darcy Parrish would step into that and absolutely flourish. I mean, right now, Darcy Parrish is making this Essendon front office look absolutely like geniuses <laughs> because they up. let him go into the midfield and he is absolutely paying them back tenfold. I mean, if I'm Zach Merritt, who's up for contract this year, mm-hmm. if I look around, yes, this season may not be a final season, but if I'm Zach Merritt, I see all this young talent around me that's getting better round by round. 
I think they can keep him in Bomberland, and I think he's going to be a very happy camper over these next couple of years because I think Essendon could really, really, really contend for finals as early as next year if they can keep this core healthy and keep this core going as well as they have. This is a really good performance Mm -hmm. against North Melbourne. Yes, it's North Melbourne, I know. But to put up 141 points and to show the way they did with their kids playing really, really well, that is a performance you have to be proud of as an Essendon Bomber supporter. Let's also now look over the another marvelous performance by Tippin Woody. Um, I'm not just saying that name because I can't pronounce it. I want to prove to you guys that I can pronounce some of these names. Thank you very much. But also because he, uh, I, I, if you throw it back, was it against Hawthorne? I, I believe it was uh, in, in Tasmania. This guy just puts on the show, and he's some of these goals he kicks you some really sharp angle stuff. So, man, I think he's more accurate than anything Fremantle ever hopes they could be at this point. So, this Essen team, young team, a lot of fun to watch. Not winning every game, but they're close, and uh, they almost never lay an egg, which is a good sign. But with that being said, there's our round 10 coverage. So, Donnie, it's that time. For your team of the round, take it away, my friend. Oh, man, this this is fun because we had some absolutely amazing performances. Let's jump right into got it. Got stacked team. list this week. <laughs> oh, man, this this was this got difficult at times in a few of these positions. So please don't please don't be angry if, if I didn't get your, <laughs> your, your star in because this this was not easy. So let's jump into the defenders. We'll start off with the Western Bulldogs, Bailey Dale, who takes over for Caleb Daniels, who had been having some great performances. Listen to this. 34 disposals, two goals, eight intercept possessions, 11 score involvements, and 761 meters gained by the defender from the Western Bulldogs, who I think is having an absolutely amazing season for the Western Bulldogs. We jump to Richmond and Basher Hooley is making another appearance on my team of the week with a 27 disposal, seven intercept possession, two score involvements, four marks, and 471 meters gained by the quick halfback from the Richmond Tigers. I, I, I had to put this one in because I think he had a really good performance in a really tough game for mm-hmm. defenders. That's Sydney's Jordan Dawson, 31 disposals, 10 intercept marks, three score involvements, six marks, and 711 meters gained for the lanky halfback from the Sydney Swans. Yes, it's in a losing effort, but I have to give him some love here. <laughs> Melbourne's Jake Lever. 24 disposals, 17 intercept possessions, Jeez, dude. three score involvements, eight marks, and 436 meters gained for the former Adelaide Crow, now Melbourne Demon. Carlton gets Adam Saad with his probably best performance in a Blues jumper, 26 disposals, nine intercept possessions, six score involvements, mm-hmm. eight marks, and 658 meters gained for the quick halfback. And last but not least on the defensive line, maybe because he had to do a lot of work, St. Kilda's Jackson Clare, 28 disposals, six intercept possessions, a goal assist, three score involvements, five marks, and 584 meters gained for the St. Kilda defender. Wow. Okay. So we jump into the midfield. Let's jump it to the big guy that is the rock and constant 
here as my ruck, and that's Collingwood's Brody Rundy. 20- well, I think he, well, he's made the list all but once. I, I, yeah, I think last week was one of the few times that Brody Grundy has not started. So you know, 23 disposals, two goals of behind, six score involvements, 33 hitouts, and 311 meters gained for the Collingwood Ruckman. Now let's jump to the midfield. We'll start here. I talked about him earlier. I can't not give this guy a kudos. Clayton Oliver, 38 disposals, three goals, a behind, eight intercept possessions, a goal assist, 11 score involvements, and 626 meters gained for the Melbourne midfielder in that absolutely amazing game with Adelaide. We jump to the Western Bulldogs. Our Brownlow favorite, Mr. Marcus Bontempelli, 26 disposals, four goals, three behinds, a goal assist, 10 score involvements, five marks, and 797 meters gained for the Brownlow favorite here on the fourth and long podcast. From the Brisbane Lions, Dane Zorko. 28 disposals, a goal, a behind, four intercept possessions, a goal assist, nine score involvements, and 650 meters gained for Mr. Zorko. I just mentioned him in our last game. Mr. Darcy Parrish continuing to prove why he's one of the best midfielders in the league this year. 36 disposals, two intercept possessions, three goal assists, 12 score involvements, 12 marks, 11 center clearances, and 556 meters gained for Mr. Parrish. And last but not least, you help your team pull off a big victory. I'm going to give you some kudos, Mr. <laughs> ben Keys from the Adelaide Crows. 34 disposals, two goals, four intercept possessions, eight score involvements, and 418 meters gained for the midfielder from the Crows. We jump up to the forwards. I'll give your GWS Giants some love. Mr. Jeremy Finlayson with 15 disposals, three goals, a behind, a goal assist, nine score involvements, six marks, and 294 meters gained for Mr. Finlayson. The game winner kicker, Mr. Taylor Walker of the Adelaide Crows, 16 disposals, three goals, a goal assist, eight score involvements, nine marks, and 265 meters gained for the game-winning kick man, Mr. Taylor Walker. Frio's Rory Lobb. I'll give Frio some love here. 18 (laughs) disposals, four goals, four score involvements, nine marks, and 303 meters gained for Mr. Lobb. The Western Bulldogs, when you beat one team yourself, I'm going to have to give you some, I'm going to have to give you a spot on this team is Mr. Aaron Naughton, 15 disposals, five goals, four behinds, 12 score involvements, <laughs> nine marks, and two, 332 meters gained for the high flying doggies forward. Brisbane's Zach Bailey. 15 disposals, four goals, three intercept possessions, three goal assists, and 10 score involvements. And I couldn't not because he had the most goals kicked in the round. Sydney's big Lance, Buddy Franklin. 18 disposals, six goals, a behind, 10 score involvements, 10 marks, and 478 meters gained for the great 
Buddy Franklin will go to the bench at the Ruck. Also, a, a, a well-known one for our Ruckman, Mr. Max Gone from the Melbourne Demons. Mm-hmm. 20 disposals, a goal, a behind, three intercept possessions, six score involvements, 10 marks, and 32 hitouts for the Ruckman. We'll give some love, though they didn't play as well, to defender from North, who I've said numerous times, Mr. Aaron Hall. Our defender on the bench had 29 disposals, a behind, five intercept possessions, a goal assist, six score involvements, seven marks, and 668 meters gained for Mr. Hall. Our midfielder on the bench is Norse Ben Cunningham, who's really coming into form over the last few over the last few rounds with 34 disposals, a goal, four intercept possessions, eight score involvements, four marks, nine clearances, and 483 meters gained. Last but not least, our forward, one of your favorite players. I say this with a little bit of a joking manner. Mr. Tom Lynch from the Richmond Tigers. <sighs> 13 going back to last year with that reference jeez <laughs> three goals three behind a goal assist eight score involvements and 340 meters gained for the big richmond forward and that ladies and gentlemen is my team of the week some absolutely spectacular performances that was fun because man i got down to a few of those midfielders and it i Almost got Sammy Walsh in there, but it was really hard because so many great performances. Mm-hmm. I love when they make my job harder because it makes <laughs> it makes that choice so much harder, and I love it because it makes me really think of who has the who has the impact on the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was so much fun. That given what happened in round ten, really our job was trying to come up with at least for me, coming trying to come up with my top five teams from power rankings was not that easy of a task either because there is a lot that you could do with here. Uh, you could argue that the top that the five teams that we chose are concrete and the ones that belong at the top five, but where they should be placed is a whole different story. So Donnie, you and I once again have the same five teams, but there's a little bit of a switch in that you and I, have uh, almost disagreed on with this one. But, of course, with our power rankings, every Tuesday evening, American time, every afternoon, Wednesday afternoon, Australian time, I believe is when it is. These drop before you uh, before the uh, round recaps drop. So hit us up on our socials, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and those are in the bio, or you can just go to thefourthalong.com to find everywhere we are at. So you can get a heads up on what our power rankings look like and then hear us argue about why and give our reasons why on the subsequent show. But Donnie, the ones that we do have, it's this really came down to how far does Melbourne drop after this loss? For us, it's once again the Western Bulldogs reign supreme. The GWS Giants both make it to number five, and I was actually happy to see that because, of course, you don't know how it goes. Donnie gets me his, um, like, Sunday because he's very good with this. So hats off to you, Donnie. You're really, really making my job that much easier. I make mine, and then I go look at Donnie's to make the graphics. So there, I purposely avoid seeing his. Um, so I was thrilled to see, oh, I'm not just being a homer. Donnie actually agrees with me. So this is nice. Uh, given that you win five of the last seven against good teams, uh, and especially coming off against a solid win against West Coast. And also, if you look at the top eight, 
most of the teams either are on this list or coming off of losses or Port LA is not on here because you're, to me, they're a fraudulent team and you just beat Collingwood by one point. That doesn't scream top five of the power rankings to me. Um, but besides this, we have Brisbane and Geelong um, there. For me, it's the doggies and for you, Dianne, it's the doggies and the Lions, top two. But number three is in Fords where it gets interesting because I still have Melbourne over Geelong. Uh, it's not to what the cast have done. A lot of it comes down to, hey, you're the D's. You won nine straight games. And you lost one. I don't feel like that necessarily means that they dropped to four, although Adelaide has been suspect the last number of rounds. But if also we look at Adelaide and see what they've been able to peak, what they've been able to accomplish this season, and look if they're good. This is a solid Crows team, especially when you have Taylor Walker on the field, especially when you have him out there kicking goals in the way he did. To me, I still like Melbourne at three. Might change. I mean, the doggies in Melbourne, they're going to be a little bit of a shift after the next round, after round 11, considering they face off against each other. But for me, it's Geelong at four. Then, like I say, GWS at five. Oh, man. So that, there's there's our flip. All right. I have GWS at five. I have Melbourne at four. Now, I know. Coach, man, you dropped from one to four on one loss. Kind of harsh, right? You know, not so referencing you. Would, you would comment. think so. You would, you would think so. But this is this is not all on Melbourne's loss. It mm-hmm. is a little bit more on. Bulldogs kicked a little. Now, who you call a moron? Ah. <laughs> oh, you're funny. You're, you're so funny. <laughs> now, you take it. Okay, the Bulldogs are number one. Pretty pretty obviously, yeah. 111 point win over St. Kilda. They're four four and one in their last five. Mm-hmm. Brisbane is six and zero in their last six, which means they'll obviously five and zero in their last five. So it's hard to put Brisbane ahead of behind Melbourne when they're five and zero in their last five. Yes, and Melbourne has just lost. Mm-hmm. Argument, and I completely you, your points are completely valid. Uh, Geelong, you would think Geelong Melbourne. Okay, why why would I have Geelong? ahead of melbourne mm-hmm. well geelong's three and oh in their last three mm-hmm. now you could go well coach they beat gold coast and st kilda in two of their last three but their mm-hmm. third win was against Richmond. hey that's my argument <laughs> exactly so for me three wins is three wins melbourne did just lose again I, this is not saying that this is the main reason they're for but mm-hmm. you did lose to an adelaide team that is inconsistent you had a really good game. You still lost it. Adelaide played its best game. Melbourne played a really good game. Just didn't execute in a couple of areas, which is perfectly fine. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, you shouldn't, I don't know. This is, this was difficult because again, I, I, I almost left Melbourne at two just because of the mm. fact they had been nine, you know, but I really felt like Brisbane deserved a bump because they have mm-hmm. been winning. They have been winning strong. And to me, it would have almost been disrespectful to what the Lions have done exactly so i think i think it's more of this this again it's you could you could flip two three and four with melbourne brisbane and geelong in any order and i think you could make an argument anyway the only one i would see is i don't know if you could put brisbane at four geelong three melbourne at two just because Mm. i think brisbane's played a little bit better than geelong and also like when it comes to like if i'm torn between a couple teams i put them against each other and say neutral field who wins uh, so I, I, there's no way I put Brisbane below Geelong at this point. Yeah. Like, like my only other with the danger field, would, maybe 
it, well, then you then you could argue if Dangerfield's back, Lockheed Neal's mostly back too, and you have a mm. neutral, you have a neutral, you have a neutral being cancel out. <laughs> it's the same thing. exactly. And then you look at it, you've got three headed monsters with with um, Cameron Hipwood, Danaher on one side, mm-hmm. Rowan, Cameron, and Hawkins on the other. And then it, the biggest question is whose defense whose defense is is more apt to Man, shut talk the about other the game. Team. I want to see. <laughs> That'll and it already happened too in July right. one on the on the unfortunately because I I want to see that game again so they're all healthy <laughs> exactly so yeah. it, it's it, it's it's very very interesting to see like I said there's there's still a lot of footy left to be made um, I I think this D's team is how do they respond against the Western Bulldogs if they mm-hmm. if if the Western Bulldogs come out and wax Melbourne then the questions come up is did Melbourne benefit from a little bit of a lighter schedule? Is that the reason why they were nine to know the questions will come out. If Melbourne plays the Western Bulldogs and win, then Melbourne jumps right up that jumps right back up into contention at the, at the, at the one spot again. So mm-hmm. there's, there's still a lot of fluctuation still on this list. There's no way this is close to being done. So I'm, I'm, like I said, I put Melbourne at four more because I wanted to give Geelong and Brisbane a little bit of kudos because they have won three, four, five games in a row. Yeah, you got to respect that one. But with that being said, let's roll on into our round 11 tipping. And it's going to start off with a hot one, another fantastic Friday game with the Western Bulldogs and the Melbourne Demons. So, Donnie, who do you have in this one? Okay, Marvel Stadium, I hope, is absolutely packed on Friday night because I think this will be absolutely great. Thank God Richmond's not playing there. This could very well be match of the year right here. I'm sorry. There's there was a shot shot below. I loved it. I loved it on Richmond. No, um (laughs) Melbourne Demons, Western Bulldogs, even with Trelore loss, I think the Western, I think the Western Bulldogs in this one's midfield is just so deep. Liberatory, McCray. Um, they're just so deep. Um, I know the biggest thing I will see is, is if English comes back in, what does he do with gone? Does, does mm-hmm. he make gone move down the field? Um, I just, I'm, I'll, I'm usually more confident in Melbourne's defense because they've been playing really well, but I think Bruce and Naughton are going to give May and Lever headaches. The fact that you've got a liberatory that literally becomes a mole finds his way gets the footy and gets it out to his teammates is an absolute nightmare for most mm-hmm. teams oliver and petraka are going to have their hands full trying to keep him away from the footy um i think this comes down to execution and i've been far more far more likely to see consistency and execution on the western bulldog side mm-hmm. than i have melbourne but this is going to be an epic game i'm hoping it's close i don't want to blow out i want something within two goals i want it to where the last two minutes are absolutely exciting i cannot wait for friday night wow i am so stoked for this game this is going to be so I've been I've, this has been circled on our schedule for a while now of games to look out for, and it is with this one Trelaw obviously not having one of the best midfielders in the AFL that's going to affect you, Donnie. I, I think that's an okay statement to make. I don't think that's that much of a hot take, but at the same time, like you said, this midfield is fantastic. It's loaded as all the depth you could ever hope for. So there's going to be impact. A loss of him, that's going to be felt. 
but I think they're going to be able to do a good enough job to fill it in where hopefully you won't even notice that he's gone. I have the doggies in this one. I Both these teams have been a little suspect at times throughout the year. I think the Western Bulldogs might be a little more, I, I, I guess, seasoned at, at this point against tougher teams, tougher competition. Also, Philly's game of momentum. If you look at the teams with momentum, it's hands down the Bulldogs after winning by 111, and it's not the Melbourne Demons after losing. So I'm going to roll with West, the Western Bulldogs in this one. It is going to be close. And the game that, shit, if you look at what happened last round, it might be close, way closer than it needs to be. But if you're the Geelong Cats, you handle business against this Collingwood Magpies team. Uh, always, I, I guess, um, Collingwood's just going to be that trap team kind of feel to them every single round. But uh, the Geelong Cats should be able to get this game, uh, should be able to handle this game fairly well, even though it is at the MCG. Yeah, I, I think this is one of those. The cat, the cats have played the MCG okay. Um, I think they've got the forwards with the big space. I think it'll actually really, really benefit them. Um, I'm interested to see who takes who in this when it comes mm. to the defense. Does Jared does Jared Roughhead take Hawkins, and then would that lead um, Darcy Moore to take Jeremy Cameron, or do they kind of move a few things around? I think Isaac Queenor takes. I think Isaac Quinor takes Gary Rowan. I think it'll be quite an interesting little matchup there. Um, I just, I'm a momentum. I, I've said it numerous times. I think mm-hmm. Geelong is playing really, really good footy. Um, losing, losing. Um, oh my gosh, I can't even remember who's um, Mitch Duncan. Um, <laughs> took a concussion, unfortunately. Um, that I think will hurt them a little bit, but I think Geelong is deep enough. I think they'll be fine. This is this is a game. Yes, I completely agree with you. This can be a massive trap game for Geelong if they take Collingwood lightly. I think Collingwood has kind of found a few things with a few of their younger players. Bo McCreary had a really good game for Collingwood last game, mm-hmm. but I think Geelong just has a little too much power firepower, and their defense has has been getting better each and every week when it comes to shutting down teams. And Cullingwood does not have that marquee forward after Dugowie. They don't have another marquee forward to really take away. So I think Geelong will be able to shut down Collingwood's forward play. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they take I don't think they take them lightly. And I think they have a field day with this Collingwood team. So I have the cats in this one. Now with this next game, hey GWS, if you want to actually go out and somehow win this game, uh, that'd be really cool. I will have zero complaints uh, from my end, and I would be extremely happy and impressed by you guys. But I'm not expecting that to happen. I'm expecting one of the hottest teams in the AFL to take this game, uh, Brisbane Lions in GWS, especially the GABA. I'm going to roll with Brisbane on this one. It could be a close game. It could be a really good game, uh, depending on what kind of giant team we see. But I'm not counting on them to win this one. Yeah, this being at the Gabba, I'm I'm much more confident. I'm much more confident in Brisbane in this one. If this game was being played at Giants Stadium, I'd I'd entertain GWS winning mm-hmm. because they just beat a team that is very similar to this Brisbane Lion teams when it comes to dangerous forward lines with three-headed monsters. The biggest difference is is that Hipwood and Danaher, I believe, are much more mobile than Darling and Kennedy. So I think this is going to be a little bit of a more of a headache for Mm -hmm. GWS, but Tom Green has played really, really well. Uh, Does Mumford play? Because Mumford, every time he's played, GWS has won. 
So I'm fascinated to see, does Mumford go in? Does Mumford play in this game? Because if he does, could we see some ma- the Mumford magic with, with GWS? I, I don't, I think this is the game the Mumford magic finally stops because I think Brisbane's just got a little too much. Zarko, McCluggage, and Lions are absolute bulldogs in there. Mm-hmm. I think Tom Green is going to have much, much harder time trying to get the footy. You don't have an injured midfield like you did with West Coast. So I'm going to have Brisbane in this, but I agree with you. I think this is close. I think GWS stays in this game. I think GWS has really, really found that that niche of the type of footy that they want to play and i think they're going to give brisbane lions headaches i think they keep this within two goals for most of the game if brisbane lion pulls away it'll be late once they've kind of tired out this gws team we'll see I really want to watch. I think it, I may the, stay up for this game. It's at like it, 11 o'clock my time. So. Yeah, at the least, it's probably going to be a really good game of football. That's that's the least we can expect from this one. Next yeah. one is going to be St. Kilda and the North Melbourne Ruse. And what better time than now for North Melbourne to get their second win of the season? Uh, probably won't happen. I'm still going to tip the Saints on this one, even though that they just got just massacred and slaughtered in every negative uh, word that you could associate with blowout. That's what happened to them. I think this is going to be a pretty damn close game, though. I think this might come down to the fourth quarter push because depending on what the North Melbourne Ruse, I really wouldn't be surprised if they win this game. I really want to tip them, but I already have a different pick for my upset of the week. Uh, I'm going for all with the Saints on this one but would not be surprised if the Ruse actually pulled this one off. If I'm coach Brett Ratton, I am, I am thanking everything that is, that is, that I can for this particular matchup, because as, as atrocious as St. Kilda was, this is probably the one matchup that can maybe get yourself straightened up. Now, yep. I thought the same thing against Hawthorne a few weeks ago. <laughs> I, I can I can completely see it with you. Like I bounce back and forth on this one a couple of times be, because I almost would I would almost rather want to wait on this tip until I see who is and isn't in the team from Coach Brad Ratton on the St. Kilda Saints because if he cuts a Bobby Hill, if he cuts a Butler, if he cuts a Higgins that's going to affect the team in enough of a way that I think North Melbourne's going to get momentum from it. So mm-hmm. I'm, this is, this is a haywire game. I'm going to give St. Kilda because I think Patty Ryder's going to give that advantage in the rock, which I think will give St. Kilda the footy, which kind of benefits their style. They want the footy. If they don't have it, then they try to press. I think North Melbourne's midfield is youthful and young, which I think the pressure will get to them, turn the ball over. And I think mm-hmm. St. Kilda will have a field day from that, but I completely agree with you. If, if St. Kilda struggles at all early and North Melbourne gets some confidence, this could be a long, (laughs) long day for the saints. If they cannot get, I think they need to get up and they need to get up early Mm -hmm. to give them some confidence because if they let North Melbourne stay in this game, this ruse team is pesky. They're tough. They're not going to give up. No guys like Ben Cunningham in the middle who can make and break a game. Um, that is not a recipe right now that St. Kilda wants to see. Imagine the possibility of losing by 111 points and then the next round losing to the worst team in the league. Oh, I do not want to be a Saints fan at this point in time. Uh, but if we want to talk about the this week, 23 Gold Coast fans, I'm going to give them some hope because I'm going to tip them over the Hawthorne Hawks. 
I just don't have a lot of confidence in the Hawks, and I have more confidence in the Suns. Like I kind of said when we are talking about the Suns versus uh, Geelong game, the Suns should be able to keep this Hawks team below 60, maybe, uh, or uh, below 70, maybe below 60, which will be enough points for their offense to actually um, put up if you're going to the high end. Um, I'm going to go roll with Gold Coast on this one, not because I have a lot of confidence in Gold Coast, but just because I have less confidence in the Hawks. Uh, I just I, I think this is one of those that where it where it at would really affect my tip. And because this game is going to be a Gold Coast home game, which I believe is I think it's at TO Stadium. I have to look specifically where it's at. I think you are it's correct. At, it's at TO. Yep, it's in the north. I think it's I think it's up in northern Queensland. So but I'd have to double check that. Um, I think being up in the heat and humidity, Hawthorne being a Melbourne team, it's a little bit cooler nowadays. I think it's going to give G, uh, Gold Coast an advantage. Mm-hmm. I think Gold Coast played absolutely a, a much better game against Geelong down in Melbourne than I was expecting them to give. So I, I think Gold Coast has got a little bit of positive momentum here. I think Hawthorne is still reeling a little bit after the loss to North Melbourne and then Carlton beating them. So I will go Gold Coast as well on this one, but I think this could be another really good game. Mm-hmm. Now, if this game between the West Coast Eagles and Essen Bombers was not an Optus, I would be really really uh, curious in tipping Essendon on this one, especially given the performances that we saw from the last couple of rounds. Uh, I saw you nodding your head there, Donnie, so at least a little bit of agreement there. It's at Optus. I'm going to go with the West Coast, mostly because it's at Optus, uh, and it's really hard to pick against them when they're at home. But Essendon, they could be playing spoiler at home and might be able to be the first road team to get a win just with everything going on at this point in time my thing is west coast eagles optus stadium it's so hard to tip against them it I know is. This is it's, this it's is, so this weird is. i've never seen home field advantages this strong in in any of the sports i've covered exactly yeah, this essendon team they're useful they're young but this, this is a long travel that trip out to the west coast is never easy for especially for victorian teams i'm gonna tip west coast but I completely agree with you. Like if this game was at the MCG or Marvel, I'd tip Essendon just, just because of Whoa. the travel. Just because of the travel. I, I know I I've gotten to the point now when it comes to, when it comes to Frio and West coast, I've almost got, <laughs> I'm going to tip wherever they're playing is going to depend on where my tip is right now until they prove me wrong. Right. It's so great. Cause I got um, burned. I got burned in both in both games this week. <laughs> I, I thought Sydney would go to the West Coast and win. They they dropped it, and I thought West mm-hmm. Coast would go to GWS and Sydney and win, and they dropped it. So they, they, those two burned me this week. <laughs> and now, with this next game, Donnie, we're going to Richmond and Adelaide. And I was saving this. I, I, there's a reason I wasn't tipping a underdog win with the, the, the Giants, and that's because that's going to be for this game, given what we've seen from Richmond – and given what we've seen from Adelaide, honestly, going to this, I have no idea what the hell kind of football game to, to expect, given the season, given the ups and downs others these teams have seen. But this could be the perfect storm for Adelaide coming super white hot off the ups of the year. Would not be surprised if they bag another upset in this round. And I am going to tip the Crows over the Tigers. Okay, that's a big <laughs> no. I literally will have breaking news as soon as we're done with tips. Um, really, that, that I just that I just got that may may not be a good thing. Um, oh, 
yeah, may not be a good thing. Um, I'm going to go Richmond on this one. Richmond at home. MCG is always tough. Adelaide, again, this is, I've said this numerous times. When you win a big game like this, the first 10 minutes of the next game, sometimes you can come out flat. I think Richmond is angry after a loss to Brisbane. I think they come out. I think they come out red hot. They've got a couple of their youthful player, a couple of their midfielders coming back this week. I'm going to go Richmond uh, only because I think Adelaide starts off a little flat. And I think if Richmond gets going, especially at home, they're very, very difficult to beat on the MCG. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, moving on into the next game of the round, it's going to be an interesting one to tip here. Uh, I could see either way, but I'm going to end up rolling with the Sydney Swans over the Carlton Blues. This being at the SCG is going to be helpful uh, immensely to Sydney. And I I just trust them more. I thought I just trust them more than I trust Carlton as a team. Uh, this is one of those that, that this is another game that scares me because Carlton ha- has the ability to put up points and put up points quickly, mm-hmm. but they leak like a leaky faucet in the back <laughs> sometimes. And I think with Isaac Heaney, Ben Frank, and Big Buddy Franklin, and Tommy Pabley, if they can get going, I think they can give Carlton's defense some headaches. I think the rock battle will be a lot. Very interesting to see how Hickey and Mark Pitnett go. I think the midfield battle is going to be absolutely outstanding, seeing Patty Cripps and Sam Walsh versus, versus Luke Parker and Joey Kennedy. I think this will be an absolutely cracking game. I, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be nervous all game for this one. <laughs> this Carlton this Carlton team can cause a lot of headaches. Um, Sod is always a tough matchup in the backs and on the backside uh, when it comes to his rebounding ability. I'll be interested to see who Sydney puts on him. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna tip the Swans again. Being at home, they're gonna have the home home fan support. I think this will be a really, really good game. I think the Swans pull it out late, but I think this is this is a nail biter. I'm getting tired of saying it because I keep getting proved true. I think uh, Donnie's going to end up with some major heart problems by the end of this season. Oh, I've I've already had several. I've already had several uh, instant messages about how my ticker's going on a few other games <laughs> this season. But I, you know what? It keeps it keeps me it keeps me excited. It keeps me in the game. I don't mind. But now I'm going to go Swans. But I think this is I think this is a close game. I think this one comes down to efficiency, which I think Sydney just has a little little more than Carlton at this mm-hmm. present point. And with the last game of the round, that's going to be Port Adelaide and the Frio Dockers. And if this game was not at the Adelaide over, oh, I'd be so, so tempted to tip the Dockers in this one. So tempted. But the Adelaide is the better team. They should be the better team, especially at the Oval. They're really hard to beat here. Um, I think they just have, while they are fairly fraudulent in my eyes, they're just the better team than Frio, and a lot of time the better team wins, especially at home. So I will tip Port Adelaide, but the Dockers somehow able to pull some magic out of their hat. I'm not going to be surprised in the least. As much as I love the Frio Dockers here, this game is at Port. Ad- this game is at Adelaide Oval, and like I said, is if it's not an Optus Stadium, I'm I'm going to go the opposite <laughs> right. because for some weird reason these West. These Perth teams just cannot find a way on the road. I think Frio keeps this close. I think Frio has some 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 abilities. Mm-hmm. I think 
this Port Adelaide team, I think really this this is a mark this is a marker for them. They need to have a good performance because another bad performance against a team not in the eight is really going to detract a lot of Port Adelaide fans here. I think Port needs to have a really good game here. I'm I'm gonna tip Port in this one, but it will not surprise me if the Dockers stay in this one. Oh, would love to see what you guys think. Uh, give me your upset of the round. Mine is going to be Adelaide and Richmond with Adelaide taking that one. So would love to see. Drop in the YouTube comments. Uh, hit us up on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Or best of all, go to fourthandlong uh, on Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review with your guess of that. But that's going to wrap it for us, except for some breaking news that comes during the recording. So, Donnie. Take it away, and I have a hunch of what it is about. Oh, for those of you that are in Victoria, you are probably very much aware of this. All ticket sales for all games in Victoria are now on hold as a new cluster of COVID has been discovered, and unfortunately, the origins are still up in the air. Um, This is the point, especially for us over here in the States. We cross our fingers and hope, 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 hope that these cases have been mitigated. Unfortunately, Victoria continues to still struggle with its contact tracing as much as possible. But the breaking news is that right now, the Friday game may be put, may, maybe with lower crowds or maybe even no crowd at all. So all ticket sales for all of the games in Victoria as of right now have ceased ticket sales due to the new cluster that has been discovered in Victoria. We will keep an eye on this. Please keep an eye out on Twitter. I will, if I see anything, I will try to get it out as quickly as possible to either Ross or through my Twitter page, coach at coachhas40.com. And some, we'll go from some sobering news to some good news. For those Ooh. of you in Australia, um, I have some good news on my side. Um, tomorrow, uh, most everybody knows I am the coach of the Des Moines Roosters. I officially am able to go back to training due to being now fully vaccinated. I will be able to attend my first training in over a year tomorrow. I am super excited. Please keep an eye on that on Twitter at DM Roosters Footy. Um, I will be trying to post as much about that as possible. So if you would like to follow a USAFL team and you are in Australia, the Des Moines Roosters are always looking for new fans. The USAFL are always looking Mm -hmm. for new fans as well. So please keep an eye on that on our socials. We are on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. And then mine as well. I cannot wait. Oh, man, it, it is a great day. I cannot wait. If you love the, the AFL, you are going to love the USAFL as well. Oh, man, super exciting stuff. I'm so excited that, that you finally got some games being scheduled uh, for the USAFL season, too. So there's a lot of good stuff going down, and I can't wait for this season to start. The first season that I will be able to, to uh, fully watch um, as a fan of the league. But, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap it for us on this rounds afl breakdown let us know your thoughts and everything that you might have um or some suggestions down in the comments like i said in the socials instagram uh, or in twitter and five star review on apple Podcasts. donnie your thoughts in one word or phrase going into round 11 and most importantly this western bulldogs and melbourne demons game oh 
excitement. I am so excited for this game. I'm I'm hoping there's crowds. I'm hoping that this cluster gets taken care of as quickly as possible. There's no snap lockdowns, but excitement for this game as long as it's played. Watch out for a potential match of the year this round. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you after round 11. Keep it here next week.